everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting their own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach, and just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based business, please do us a favor and send them a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch, I'm so tired. Are you? Yeah. You act like you're busy. I am busy. You know what I did today? Uh, probably something with chickens. <laughs> no, no chickens. Hey, so for all you plumbers out there that think you're badasses, I ran 500 feet of 8-inch water main today. Damn. How about that, bitch? That's cool. For a friend of mine, Jeff, right down the road. We on our are... Net, so it was... I. I shoveled a lot of gravel today. We're bidding a job right now that Ugh. is over a mile of waterline. This one is half of a mile. It's yeah. it's like 20, or it's just short of half a mile. It's like 2,200 sco- two, 2, feet, I think. Yeah. What's half a mile? Is it 26? Uh, it'd be 2,600, yeah. Yeah, 50, I can't remember how yeah. long miles. But yeah, 5, it's going to be... Feet. So yeah, we're in 500 feet, one hydrant, an 8-inch valve, and a 6-inch valve. So that was a lot of fun. Sweet. Four guys. It was... What did you do after lunch? Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. But on bump. I laid down in the ditch and slept for 30 minutes. That's I, what I did. I died after lunch. Oh, That's man. I, I was I was smoked. Yeah. I, I'm just... You know what my problem is? This is so stupid. Last week, we talked about... I mean, was I it? can think of a couple. Yeah. Last, <laughs> last week, we talked about saying yes. Was yeah. that last week or the week before? I think, yeah, last week. I, and I, I say yes to like way too much. So I told you I'm playing soccer. Oh, yeah. Like full field, 11 v 11, right? I think it's going to be indoor. No, it's outdoor. I think it's going to be on a small field. No, it's on a full field. I think it's going to be like beer league fat guys. No, it's like fucking athletes. Yeah. We played Friday night. Dude, there were, it's supposed to be 30 and over. There were like five guys on the other team that were in their 20s. Like they were young, dude. <laughs> they could run. They had like six subs on their team. We had none. By the end, I was just, like, I didn't want to live anymore. Like, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't run. It was, this is the first time it's happened to me in my life. For the first time ever, my muscles were weaker than my mind. Like, literally with, like, 15 minutes left to go, like, I would run after a ball, and I just, my legs were like, nope. Nope. You're not, we're you're out. not strong enough. We're you out were, of gas. It was, it was the first time in my life, like, I really actually felt like, I'm getting older and I cannot keep up I anymore keep up. with the young bucks. Like this, it was a sobering moment for me. <laughs> like the drive home, I was just like, man, you know, ironically, what and it, you know what the worst part is? So we get killed, right? It was like three or four to nothing. I don't know. I'm exhausted. I'm dying. And, and the other guys, they were all real nice, you know, good game or whatever. And we're, we're leaving. I'm, I'm trying not to vomit in the parking lot and we leave and there's two guys from the other team that are pulling out bush lights. Oh, yeah. And they're drinking in the parking lot. And I was like, man, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, I miss being young and yeah. having energy and being, I was just like, for the first time in my life, I felt old. I was like, I, f- man, fuck. 
Uh, ironically, the only times oh. I realize I can't hang with the young guys, it is the opposite of a sobering moment. Like I'm smashed trying to hang <laughs> with the young. They're drinking me under the table. That's a, I can still drink them kids under the table, but like the next day I'm in trouble. But man, I just uh it was it was almost like a midlife crisis moment. I was just like, man, yeah. fuck these guys. I just can't do it anymore. Crazy. And then today, like it's only Tuesday, and I feel like I could sleep right now. What time is it? 620 i feel like i could go to bed running that pipe all day i was like man right and for all of you that are you're gonna start your stopwatch by the way oh shit oh awesome. man how I'm, I'm minus six minutes <laughs> glad you said something uh what was i talking about oh for all of you guys that are like dave you're not a plumber no i'm not <laughs> so this guy is that he's putting in a cul-de-sac for his family and there's just four lots but we have to go like from one block to another block out in the county. Mm-hmm. Well, I do all the heating and cooling in his homes, his new homes. And he's like, hey. And Harv does all the plumbing in them. And I was like, hey. He's like, hey, would you help? Do, this is like a year ago. Hey, would you help if like we did it? You know, like yeah. me and I'll bring one of my guys and you and if Harv. I was like, yeah, sure. Now I'm like, man, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> like 500 feet in and I'm like, I hate you, dude. Look, I, I was a whole you. year younger when I committed yeah, to this last was, <laughs> And I like him. He's a real nice guy. But I was like, today he was out there helping. I was like, Dude, I fucking hate you right now. It's yeah. like, I don't know why I said yes to this. Is it just a bunch of push pipe? Yeah, it's blue. Yeah. What's the blue? I don't know. The blue eight inch. I can't remember what the name of it is. Yeah. You do the I'm, line that pregnant women use. You did this to me. You yeah. did this to me. But yeah, I mean, the money's good, but it's like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah. So sorry for my bitch fit, everybody. Yeah. It's been a tough Dave <laughs> four just got, days for me. Dave's manstrating right now. I am manstrating. <laughs> Can't remember to turn on my stopwatch. I'm tired. I'm old. Grumpy. I'm be- you know, I'm not too what's, grumpy. What's next? Have you told kids to get off your lawn yet? No. I got a gun for that. They don't <laughs> get come out. off my lawn. They There's don't no come one, out to my house out no in the country. <laughs> no warning shots. Oh, my God. What did you do today? Nothing? Uh, let's see. Today was a lot of meetings. I'm like meeting heavy this week. Good. So. Had to go. I did have to leave and go help one of my guys out with a really difficult piping thing. Uh, he doesn't have any new construction background. That's a lot of my background. So you get into really tight areas where you don't have a lot of room to work. Where you've with got to, you've got to see all those fittings in your brain before yeah. you think about cutting pipe. Yeah. 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 So he called me up and he's like, "I don't do this often, but I need you, and you'll see why when you get here." And when I get there, I'm like, "Dang, that's tight." Yeah. And we had to cut it out and go back with new. Yeah. They didn't get it glued together well. 15 year old house and it's leaking pvc leaking from glue joints was it a house you did 15 years ago no are you sure weren't you notorious for having mm, leak leaky no. white pipe god no that wasn't you no are you sure no i i was leak free man there's i only, wish i knew for sure that's, that's, his, that's his other white pipe. no no really <laughs> the there's only like one big job where i had a bunch of leaks on and nobody ever really knew why other than like we we attributed it to like it had to be bad glue because I was like notorious for never having leaks on drainage pipe. And one job, it was like leak after leak after leak. And this was a commercial job. We had to air test it. And it was like like we had to cut like what, hundreds of fittings out. Was the glue you were using green? No, it was really, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was really it was cold transition out. Glue. So we're wondering if the weather got it like cold and then hot and then cold. And, like it wasn't, it didn't seem bad. It wasn't like goopy or anything, but it just... 
All right, so you've newly started your company and you're trying to pinch pennies. However, you don't realize the biggest thing that's hurting you right now is not gathering all of your information into one spot and making it super efficient for you to use. So the answer is Field Pulse. It gets you off of paper tickets. It gets you off of all of that crazy office work at the end of the day and reconciling all that stuff. And it lets you organize everything with ease. It puts it all into the computer. It actually puts it all into the cloud. So it's not even putting it on your computer. And it lets you organize your customers. It lets you organize all of your service calls. Heck, it'll even route you to your service call. And the best part is, even after all of that, you'll probably realize about a 100% growth in your business just in the first year of using Field Pulse. So if you'd like to check out Field Pulse and see what great looks like, click on the link in the description of this show. Leak after leak after leak after leak. <laughs> so Old leaky. It was a hard time to live that one down. Yeah, those so. suck when you have one of those jobs and you're just yeah. like, man, fuck. So this, this is a, a funny story. Um, when I first started with new construction, um, oh man, we were there's doing, a lot of them. You sure you want to give it? A, oh yeah, just yeah, okay. Open the open the book. Here we go. So <laughs> when I first started in new construction, the materials are a lot different than what I was doing in residential, and so we were doing some cast iron roof drains. Ugh. And uh, they were doing these big long headers that started with a six inch roof drain, then went to an eight inch, then a 10 inch, and then a 12 inch as it picked up more roof drains. Ugh. And so they send me out to, uh, you know, hey, we need to cut this big piece of cast iron. We need an eight foot piece of cast iron in six inch. So I get out the tri stand, I get it all on there, and I grab the, the cutters, right? The chain cutters, and I don't know how to work them. And I'm too, like, humble to ask anybody how to work them and so i'm thinking they're like tubing cutters and so i wrap the chain around this cast iron and i tighten it up and i'm running the chain cutters (laughs) around the cast iron and it's taken me for fucking ever to cut this thing yeah and it's just taken forever and my arm is jello and this is like my first day on the job at this big, big big place and i'm like dude i am going to have some killer muscles at the end of like this is insane right so like 45 minutes later or an hour later i finally get this thing to go all the way through and i bring this eight foot piece of pipe over and i'm like guys this i mean i'm not trying to be a wuss here but this ain't easy and i'm like what's the next measurement like i'm asking for the next measurement so they give me the next measurement and then one of the guys walks over with me yeah and he was like he brings out the ratchet and he's like, by the way, if you just put this ratchet in the end and snap, 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 pop, and it pops right off. And I'm like, <laughs> you have got to be shitting me. And he's like, yeah, but you guys, you gave us this really good laugh. Like, they were over there laughing at <laughs> me the whole time. Were. Of course they were. Of course they were. I'm just ass working at. away, running this freaking, like, if you're plumbers and you know what chain cutters are, imagine trying to use chain cutters like tubing cutters. What and an idiot. That's me. <laughs> That was me on my first day. Oh, my God. And, and I had like six years of experience in plumbing before I went to new construction. I just... You mean commercial. Or commercial. I just never used chain... Like, I'd never worked with ductile. I'd never worked with cast. Yeah, and, you'd never had to dig up a cast drain and yeah. then try to get them around there and get so, it snapped. Like, my God. Fucking snap cutters, One of man. the most embarrassing days in my plumbing career. I, you know what's weird is I had never used those until like five years ago. Right. And it was just because I had to to help my dad. Uh, we always just used a hot saw and a fucking diamond blade. Yeah. Or a fiber blade. Oh, yeah. And just yeah. done. 
we'll, like in, in it makes a mess and it's nasty, but it's like so fucking easy. <laughs> we'll use chain cutters, but now they got like Diablo blades for your sawzall that yeah. work really well. Or you can use a grinder if you like inhaling poop pipe particles. You can use a grinder and uh, you got to wear a mask. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I mean that shit's nasty. <laughs> you get like black lung, and it's not black lung from it's, <laughs> it's like poop lung. Yeah, it's disgusting. So. And even if it's new pipe, that metal dust. Oh yeah. Like you know you can't be inhaling that. Yeah. It's just sticking to the inside of your we lungs and you're all getting cancer like yeah. instantly. Your lungs are rusty. You're fine. You'll be <laughs> fine, I swear. Ah. All right. So we got three topics. Yes. As always. Yes, we do. Topic 1 is we're going to talk about some of the shakeup that's happened in the media recently. Topic 2, we're going to talk about transactional sales versus relational sales. And topic three is know your numbers. Know your numbers. So, Fox News and Tucker Carlson are parting ways. Some say he's fired. Some say it was mutual. I don't think we really know yet. Uh, and then you told me before the show that CNN canned Don Lemon. Yeah, canned his ass. So, that's... Like, same day. No, it happened in the same... No same shit. fucking day. Wow. So... This, like I like this, believe it or not. Like, don't Fire get me wrong. Them all. Fire them, every one of them. Tucker Carlson is a great debater, and he's got some great points, and he's a sensational personality, right? But I don't really think he was the best thing for Fox News. Like, the whole reason Tucker Carlson existed was because Don Lemon existed, or Don like D Don Lemon type personalities. Don Lemon. Yeah. So like. You have one news affiliate that's got an extreme personality one way, and then it's like the other station has to have a matching opposing personality the other way. So I kind of smile a little bit when I hear both of them are gone, because maybe, just maybe, we'll start to get a little actual journalism back. Well, first off, you know, Tucker Carlson, you remember Bill O'Reilly, right? Yep. So Tucker Carlson took over for Bill O'Reilly. Yep. So he was like the first Fox guy to get out of there. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> bush lights coming yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bush light. I, I'm, for those <laughs> You're of us almost are, done. For those of us that are new to the show, uh, I've been milking through these bush lights Mitch has had at his house for like three years. They're so awful. I try to drink two every time we do a show. They're from two Halloweens ago. They're I don't these know. special camo bush light cans. And they're fucking warm. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I make bad decisions. Uh, where I was going with that was, and, and people have said this about the Tucker thing, is every huge media outlet out there is they are only loyal to you until you are no longer good for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They will hang on and do whatever, but then the second they're, eh, well, see ya, you're down the fucking road. I mean, that in itself would make, should make everyone realize the news you're watching is not for investigative journalism. No. It's for hate speech and ratings and manipulating and agendas. making money and agendas and, yeah, and all that shit. And people just. They latch on to that stuff, and it's like, I can't live without it. And right. then the ratings go up, and the guys are making... I think Tucker Carlson, I read somewhere, he made like $40 million a year. Yeah, yeah. Doing a TV show once a night. Are you... I won't make that in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, unless Tradewinds takes off. But I mean, it'd have to be a <laughs> rocket ship to take... I mean, there, I, it's unbelievable the amount of money these people make. And they just... 
it's like all they do is get more insightful or not insightful. What's the word I'm looking Inciting. for? Inciting. There we go. Inciting. The, yeah. And creating a they're riot. just they're always trying to stay on everyone's edge and make the make the opposite people from them feel like they're um, you know, instigating them all the time and keeping them on their edge so that there's two opposing forces battling all the time and yeah. all and making drama and keeping it going to get the ratings. And that's not what journalism is. That's right. not what the media is. Like I remember when I was a kid, um, I don't remember who it was, but at night my mom would turn on the evening news and like to get actual information yeah. off the TV because you know that's it was either the radio or the TV and what was on there was just facts and like what was happening well mostly was it fact or did you not have a way to check it and so you just had to assume it was fact like well i don't well i know when i went out the next day and the road was closed that they were talking about the road was closed right you know now it's like you can't even get basic fucking news anymore and, and it's got to be like, a whole bunch of bullshit and now it's like We've uncovered scandal with the road closure. Look whose pockets are being lined. <laughs> exactly. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid. It's the, all ratings. What they should really do is fix, like, on Google Maps, where it tells you a place is open a certain time to get there, and they're like, we're closed only on Tuesdays. They need to fix that first. <laughs> Austin's, Austin's you know, mad about Google fucking I'll say Maps. this. If I was a fucking president... Can we at least get unity in the fact that, like, should I push red, yellow, or green for credit on the little credit card swiper machine? Because every business is different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's push red for credit. Sometimes it's push green for credit. Like, can we can we get unity in that? I'm disgusted in your first world problems. I mean, well, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, that's never... I've never thought about that one time mm. in my Well, it is interesting how at the same... Walgreens, <laughs> push yellow. Like, they're the outliers. You well, know what? You know what you should do is read what it says on the button and don't just go to the color. Yeah, well... It takes an extra half of a second for your mind to process it could, the it words. It be uniform. Whew. I just learned something about you today. <laughs> I just—I mean, what do you? <laughs> well, it is interesting how you said how they got canned or let go or departed at the same time. It's almost kind of like the last man standing, where it's like, okay, we'll take down our, well, our guy. Like, what you know. What's crazy is it's like, like literally those the news stations write each other's stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like Tucker Carlson, all his job is is to react to whatever CNN's doing. And then, like, come up with 1% of his own thing. CNN's, all their job to do is to react to whatever Fox News is doing and maybe come up with 1% of their own thing, right? And then when a politician does something crazy, now they both react to that. But then they both react on day one after a politician does something crazy, they both react to it, and then CNN is, like, trying to do an opposing view of what Fox was doing and Fox is doing an opposing view of what CNN was doing. Yeah. So... I find it uh, ironic. It's like what Austin was saying that like Carlson gets nabbed and they're like, like, like literally they spent years going, look at what these motherfuckers are doing. Right. Yeah. We've yeah. Got, like, <laughs> yeah, here's our take on that. Mm -hmm. Like they do both doing that. And then one of them gets canned and the other one's like, look what these motherfuckers are doing. Here's our take on that. <laughs> we'll can our guy too. I will say <laughs> that, that Don Lemon douchebag that he is so he's and this this has nothing to do with him at all as a person but he's a gay black guy okay like, i didn't know he's gay yeah he's a gay black guy and what he would say is like he he's the guy that came out and said um like when nikki haley she's 51 
came out and said, I'm going to run for president. He made a big giant deal about how she's past her prime and that women over 30 are past their prime and shouldn't be allowed to do anything. Like, that's what he said, right? Like, he's a huge misogynist. And yet, look who we have in the office right now. (laughs) I mean, the guy is just, I mean, he's just a fucking piece of shit. Like, he he would say say things about women all the time, and he could get away with it because he was on, have you ever heard of, like, the victim tree? So, like, the higher up on the victim tree you are, the more you can get away with. Like a, like a... Oh, okay, so he's like a gay... Like he's he's like minority of minorities of minorities of minorities. So he's, so like, he's way like up there on the yeah. So tree. he's so he's a gay black man. Like the only thing above him is a trans transgender gay black it's man. Like a handicapped and then like so I and then it. gay black it's man. Like the hierarchy of victimhood. Yeah, and then yeah. I, this is a real theory that people have been putting out there. And then there's like you know I'm not I don't know what the order is, but it's like. Uh, you know, black and then Indian do they, do they and give then funny names and like, then is women. He like the grand poobah of victims. I don't know what it is, but it's like <laughs> what's messed up is like the higher you are on the tree, the more bullshit you can get away with. Yeah. So like at CNN, he's been saying all this nasty shit about people in his own party, like and people he's uh, supposedly agrees with. He's just like eating his own like That's the whole funny. time, and they've been looking for a way to get rid of him. And I think finally they were like, oh, they got rid of Tucker Carlson. Now he's gone. Oh, fuck this guy. And I don't know which one was first, but like that's my theory. Right. Like they like literally they couldn't fire him because of where he was on the victim tree. And he even though he was a worthless, hateful I, bigot piece of shit outside they couldn't of get rid of him. Outside of opinions, I never liked how arrogant he was. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, he just thought he was better than everyone else. Right. Like e- like even if I agreed or disagreed with Tucker Carlson. He at least made it like humorous. He made it entertaining to watch him. Yeah. I know. He didn't I even hardly have to ever agree with him. him. But like Don Lemon, like every time you watch him, just you just a got a dickhead. creepy feeling. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole deal. Everyone's like, and, well, and they said there's some stuff coming out there. Like everyone at CNN was like, like all the women, like he's such a mis- They were like, look, you either get rid of him or we're all fucking leaving. Yeah. And those are people that are super liberal on his side. And they're like, he is such a piece of shit. If you don't get rid of him, we're all leaving. Wow. I like Shapiro's policy. He's like, if I have like a person come up to me and say, I'm quitting, or unless you change this, he's like, okay, the door's that way. Right. Yeah. Like, he, he <laughs> don't let the fucking thing hit you in the butthole yeah, on the way out. He doesn't put up with whole, this whole like, the, the lower level people, like employees, or like get to just run the company. Right. Wherever they want. You know, and one last, we're going to move on, but because um, I don't want these two losers to be taking up all my time. <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, I do wonder if, and we talked about this a little before the show, I do, I wonder if it is like all of these extreme people we have on these shows, if networks aren't finally realizing, you know what, this isn't good for us, right. no matter, like we're getting ratings, but it's lowering our integrity. Credibility. Credibility. That's yeah, a better word. Thank both, you. Both, yeah. That, I, I think you were right when you said that before the show. I think that that might be part of it too. It's like, yeah. Hey, we have to get back to some serious journalism and getting some facts out there because people literally aren't trusting us. This is what we talked about in our zoom call with Zach yeah. about Google. Like people are dropping off of Google and they're just, you know, because they're just so sick of media and influence that they're like, I've had enough. I've got to figure out a better way to do this. Well, and maybe they're finally realizing that an occasional clap back is funny. If your entire show is based off of clapping back at somebody, it's it gets old real quick. Yeah. So, yeah, that's and that's really what both of those shows were. 
is is they were clapping back at the other party and just basically reaction shows of whatever the other party did recently. So yeah, but I bet there's like a, a formula too. Like just so we talked about like the Top Gear, how they were gonna go into the meeting with Tesla, like dissing on the Tesla. Right. The same thing with like CNN. Like I, I bet they're just like, okay, if there's a school shooting, they draw the line down as a white guy or as a black guy. Okay, if it's a if it's a white guy, we gotta push that. But if it's black, we gotta hide it and maybe show it for. What do they ways. call that? What do they call that diagram, Mitch? I know you know what it is. Oh, like a Venn diagram? Yes. Of, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, the... If, if a no... A flow chart. A flow chart. Yeah, a flow yeah. chart. Yeah, flow if chart. no, go yeah. straight. If yeah. yes, go to the left. Right. If no again, go down. If yes, yeah. problem solved. Like, right. it's the it's, same thing. It's like, is it a Y guy? Is he, like, from Mississippi or Arkansas? Oh, we got yeah, a if good story. Yeah, if he's from a oh, southern state... Oh, is he a conservative? State. Oh, yeah. that's so good. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's just so dumb. It's just the news and the media... Have just well fucked up everyone's brain so bad. Ultimately, they're awful. capitalizing on society is really what it is. So it's can you fault the news for doing it? I don't know. Can you fault society for being susceptible to like buying into that shit? Absolutely. Like I can, the, I can the news fault, is only doing it because we buy into it. I can fault the media for not having any morals. Fuck you guys. Yeah, that's true. I mean, have some morality. Yep. Have some integrity. Well, the thing is, do you have the flowchart if it is a black guy? It's like, okay, maybe this black guy Fucking Austin's not letting the flowchart <laughs> thing go. He's all well, over the flowchart. You've chart. seen it before, too, where it's like, it's a black guy. Oh, maybe this guy, he's enforcing white supremacy. Like, he's carrying oh, yeah, the white tradition. It's like, they'll, they'll <laughs> twist, and, and Fox does it, too. They will twist well, whatever they think that they can get away with to twist just enough to make it a story, even when they know they're not right. So, like, this whole, like, their settlement that they just had mm-hmm. with, uh, what's the name of the... Uh, ballot machines. I can't remember. They paid them like one point seven Dominion. Dominion. Thank you. But like they they were saying in the back rooms, like, okay, hey, we don't know if this is what's really happened, but we don't really not know yeah. that this has happened. So <laughs> we can we can do it. We can speculate, and we can speculate, and it's the same thing that CNN does with or MSNDC oh, yeah. or whatever the fuck their they name all is. Do it. it. It's just. Can we move on? I'm so pissed. I'm yeah. just tired of... I, they just make me so mad. Let's do a story from the field. How about it? Uh, so Stories from stories the field. Stories from the field brought to you by Field Brought Pulse. to you by Field Pulse. And Austin. So, oh, so, and Austin. Not Austin. I'm sponsoring this. Field Pulse. <laughs> what, um, so, so someone sent one in. We got Yeah, we got one in. We got a few in. We're just going to read one this today. This from Daniel. Thank you guys for finally riding. We had to carry the train last time. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we got one from Daniel. And... Uh, you says, read, read it to me. Was working on a bathroom remodel in a basement, and the electrician and I were going back and forth about how broke we were during the recession. He says, we're friends, and so we were just having a fun conversation and getting a laugh out of it. I said, I was so broke I couldn't pay attention. He said, I was so broke that somebody broke into my car and stole my 8-track eight eight player, and I had to put in a cassette player. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what we were saying, but we were keeping it pretty PG. Well, apparently the homeowner could hear us from upstairs, and he yells down, I was so broke that I had to jerk my dog off to feed my cat. (laughs) And the electrician and I look at each other like, what did he just say? And the homeowner hollers down again, and he goes, you heard me. I had to jerk my dog off to feed my cat. 
He says all three of them spend the next ten minutes laughing. The best part, the best part about that is the homeowner saying, "Oh, you heard me! Oh, you heard me!" <laughs> the homeowner knew exactly what was on their face at that moment. Talk about, talk about motivation to finish your job quick. Yeah, we got to get out of here. Oh my god! Otherwise, that cat's going to be hungry, and I don't see a dog anymore. Oh, stop! <laughs> you see him? No, like, those oh. are the customers that you want to hold on to for life because you know they're regular people. They're mm, like, yeah. Oh, I got one for these fucking we, young cats. We can have a conversation with this guy. Oh He's my like the god! <laughs> Dude, I read that last night, laughed hard. Yeah, and I read it's it still funny to my wife and laughed hard, yeah. and it still makes me laugh. It's good stuff. <laughs> so thank you, Dan. If you guys have any other funny stories from the field, please do us a favor and uh, send them to us. Uh, our email is askmitch at mitchsmedley.com uh, or you can message them to us on our The Void uh, Facebook page. If you're not following our Facebook page, if you go to Facebook and look up at Podcast The Void, <laughs> you'll find us, and then you can message us those stories in the field there as well. So uh, topic two. Transactional sales versus relational sales. David had never heard of this. Whenever I, brought I had this never up heard of transactional sales, so yeah. we're gonna we're all gonna learn together today on the show. <laughs> so that's what's gonna happen. We're all gonna learn together. That's right. So Mitch is gonna teach us something today. We, we got two types of relationships in sales, and really in anything in life, you have transactional and relational, and there are times for each. However, relational is like the undefeated champion of the world. So if you can focus more on relational, you're going to see better success and longer-term success. Um, transactional selling. Uh, transactional selling is, uh, think car dealer, okay? It's a negotiation tactic. It focuses solely on making the sale immediately or today, it emphasizes like ultra competitive pricing and senses of urgency. And uh, the goal is to make the greatest number of individual sales. And in typically transactional selling has a very short sales cycle. In other words, the customers don't return because they didn't have a good experience. And so they have a low lifetime value per customer. So it's like a like a car salesman. He it, comes out and he's like, Hey, if you buy today. Yeah, you know I can sell it to you for this price, yeah. but if you, but if you wait tomorrow, I know we're gonna it's gonna be at this. I'm not gonna be able to get you that deal. Yeah, right. Or or like when you walk into a car dealer with an 820 credit score, and they try to hand you a seven percent interest rate, and you're like, <laughs> "Fuck you," <laughs> right? Yeah. So like shit like that, right? Um, and, and you just get the feeling that they are literally trying to maximize everything they can and every angle they can while you're sitting there, right? And then when you think it's all done, then you go sit with the finance guy and he's like, you need undercoating and wheel and tire package and theft protection and, yeah, and, then and you, all of that then shit. Then you get up, give him the finger and walk out. Well, yeah. like their interest is all like, it's only their interest until they've made the transaction. Like they don't really look out for like, okay, what's best for him? They it's don't like, care about you. They care yeah. about the transaction and that's it. Yeah. Right. So relational selling. Um, this is a behavior that prioritizes building a connection with customers <laughs> and potential buyers to to close sales, right? Uh, it's, it's basically founded on the premise that a customer can become a friend of yours. You're selling in a way that they'll eventually become your friend. 
So rather than solely using price and any other details to sell a product, the salesperson is focusing on the interactions they've had with the customers and actually aligning the product with the customer's needs rather than what the, the salesman needs to sell that day. Okay. Um, relational selling focuses on the customer's needs and the customer's wants and, and, and puts the priority on the customer. Uh, relational selling typically has long sales cycles because <clears throat> customers have great experiences with it. And so therefore they have a longer lifetime value. So there are times for both. Yeah, um, there are. I, I mean, what we talk about here a lot is building relationships with people Yeah, as not just part of making sales, but as that's just good decision-making for your business is being a business that builds relationships in your community and builds a relationship with your customers yeah. so that they are thinking of you and you are thinking of them and they're the first one you call because you have a relationship with them. Right. So I used to work for a company that it was literally their motto internally. Obviously, they never published this. That there's enough people in the area that we can fuck everybody once and we'll be millionaires by the time we fucked them all. <laughs> and I, I shit you not. Like, that's literally their goal. And then when you're like, mm, really? And then they say, well, and a lot of those people move, so there's always new people moving into the area, so there's always fresh meat. Yeah. Like, that was literally their goal. Like, let's be honest. I know who you're talking about. Yep. And they're humongous. And they make a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, it's... I can't believe I'm going to even fucking say this. It's hard to fault them for making a ton of money, but... Uh, it's not hard to fault them. Let, let me finish. <laughs> but morally, it's wrong to do that. You know, on the financial side, I get it. But if you want to be a stand-up individual and not a piece of shit, you don't do it that way. Yeah, so I was a manager at this <clears throat> company. They budgeted... 2% of their monthly revenue for refunds to upset customers. They planned on giving back 2% of their revenue to upset customers for refunds. We were doing $800,000 a month in revenue. 2% of $800,000 is $16,000. That's $4,000 a week. Do you know how much time it takes to give back four thousand dollars a week to upset customers we've had this talk it's sixty thousand dollars a year for one employee to yeah. keep on staff 24 7 right i think we just talked about that part yeah maybe i don't know if we talked about it here on trade winds or what but yeah it may have been trade winds the, I don't know. <clears throat> like they had to hire somebody full time and that was just my department that wasn't the company doing eight hundred thousand <laughs> my department was doing eight hundred thousand as a company they were doing 36 million a year so the like there was, I, I, I am not that way. I am not that. So they are all transactional sales. Focus on the sale today. I don't care about the customer. I need to sell this today. Yeah. Okay. I don't operate that way. So I didn't manage that way. No, me neither. I was a fish out of water at that place. So I'm pushing the guys to deliver better customer service, to actually care for the customer, to do what's right for the customer. Hopefully maybe that customer calls us back. Hopefully, maybe they don't extort us with a one-star <clears throat> review to get a refund, and I take up five hours of my time. Like, to me, it made more sense go relational instead of transactional. It frees up my time. It lowers our customer refunds. It increases our reviews. Like, why wouldn't you do that, right? Yeah. 
So I focused on that for a couple of months. And one month, they come to me. And they were like, uh, Mitch, we're a little worried. I'm like, why? What's up? Uh, you only gave back like 0.75% of revenue last month in refunds. You're like, yeah, that's my job, motherfucker. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And what are you worried about? Uh, are we going to have like a whole shitstorm of one-star reviews coming because you didn't give money, people money back? I'm like, no, actually, I kind of focused a little bit more on customer service. So we gave better customer service and we didn't have to give as much money back. I, I figured it'd say, I mean, it saved us like $18,000. <laughs> and they're like, we got to get back to refunding money. Like, it's the only way they thought, like, <laughs> like they, they, it was just making their skin crawl that we weren't. Well, it's because then they would have had to admit that they were doing something wrong yeah. previously, you know? And no one that is high up in any order, if you make a, over 125, you can't be told you're wrong. That's right. like what people think, you know? It's like, oh, no, sometimes you got to look in the mirror and go, man, that dude's right. Look right. how much money we saved. Maybe we should give him s- some money and then he could teach the rest of us. That would have been like the smart thing to do. Well, I'm looking at it like <clears throat> at that job, I was bonused off of profit of the department, right? Well, customer refunds cut straight to your profit. Yeah. Like straight out of your profit, right? Yeah. So I'm like, hey. And, so, and it's one of the one things you can control directly. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, let's increase our profit by reducing our customer refunds and let's do it the right way. Yeah. So we did. They didn't want to write and, you that check. No. They were like, we're we not writing this guy this check. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's there's so a saying that goes stupid. around that talks about like, uh, it's more likely that a customer becomes a friend than a friend becomes a customer. And uh, I don't really know how true that saying <clears> is. <throat> However, when you focus on relational sales, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. In other words, you listen to the customer you understand their wants and needs and you develop options to present to the customer based off of their wants and needs and then you let them pick what's best for them guess what it's an amazing relationship the job that i went to today where i had to help one of our plumbers out i asked the customer i'm like you know we've done a couple of jobs in this neighborhood i said how did you hear about us and she goes actually the other jobs that you've done in this neighborhood have been at my sister's house, I think. And we, and she was right. Like we've done two or three at her sister's house. Um, and, and she was like, when my sister was going through all that, she didn't know who to call. So I told her to call you guys. I'm like, Oh, well, cool. Thanks for the referral. And she goes, yeah, I just absolutely love how you guys operate. I love how there's no sales pressure. I love how you guys give options and then let the customer pick what's best for them. And, and so on. And it's like, yeah. The, I mean, the customer's literally telling you why. Yeah. Why what you do is different than everybody and else. And that's what we teach. Yeah. That's what we're teaching everyone on the void all the time and in trade and, wins and in trade all wins. the time. Right. Oh, hey. Three option mentality. Yeah. Hey, trade wins. Sign up if you want. Send yeah. us a- <laughs> For those that don't know, <laughs> we started a uh, mentorship program called Trade Wins. So, yeah. You if did? You'd, if you'd like more information on that, you can send us an email to the void or just message Mitch. He ain't doing nothing. Or oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just sitting around on his ass. That's they, not true. I came in today and he was fucking yelling at one of his kids. <laughs> I was like, yeah. whoa, this is uncomfortable. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And it's the kid I don't have to yell at that often. That's I know, crazy. that's what I thought. I was like, Man, Mason? Yeah. And Mason like he saw me in the window and then turned around. He turned and I was around. like, yeah. Well, I mean, he, obviously. He's embarrassed. I'm sure he was, and I didn't want to make him feel bad, so I got the hell out of there. But yeah, yeah. What's so funny, no, Mitch what's is funny busy. Is he so. didn't do anything to get in trouble. 
one of his friends did something to get in trouble, and Mason was bragging about it like it was a cool thing. Yeah, and you so know, I had to jump his ass before he ever got in trouble for it. Yeah, and I was. Hey, if you like what you're hearing on The Void and you want even more info, we just started a mentorship program specifically for trades professionals to start their business or to get their business to an incredibly healthy position. So if you'd like more info, click on the link in the description of this show. Literally, we were up here talking a little bit about it, and I was like, man, he was with someone that got him into trouble. And I (laughs) told him, I said, Mitch sounds just like his dad, Vic. (laughs) That's like literally, he's yelling at him. But it was literally, Mitch was getting me in trouble. That's what was happening. I was following Mitch around. I was Mason in this situation. Yeah. Well, there's arguments that you could like sit around and listen to and like, Look at, but this was one of those arguments. No, you got the hell out of there. You, just you gotta get through. <laughs> you gotta get the hell out of there. Yeah. And so me, Dave, and Caitlin, my wife, were up here just starting our own little club. Yeah, hanging right. out while I. <laughs> I didn't mean to sidetrack. You. I had to let that thing go full cycle down. Yeah, there. I knew. I was like, couldn't, couldn't walk away from that. <laughs> I one told in the him. I was like, yeah, they'll be on that one for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man. So ultimately, like. Uh, transactional versus relational, like it's not even just the sales process. It's even like how you acquire your customers. Um, referencing that other company that I was at, they were very transactional. They bought their customers. They did not earn their customers, right? So they were spending a million dollars a month in advertising, L- literally. Yeah, they're buying. They're a buying a million dollars a month. They're buying leads. They're yeah. buying clicks. They're buying. That's and and so. When you're when you're spending a million dollars a month in advertising, you're buying customers because you you you're not behaving in a way that earns customers, and so you're buying customers, and you don't have a choice at that point. You have to buy them. Well, bought customers are a lot harder to work with than earned customers. In other words, if if Dave said, "Hey, I got this roofing guy. You should have him over at your place. He's amazing." I automatically already trust the roofer because I trust Dave. Yeah. Right. That's right. Well. If there's a flyer that shows up on my door or a Google thing that shows up in my phone of we're the best roofer for you and it's all self-proclaimed bullshit, yeah. I don't trust that guy right off the get-go. I might call him. You, and you might file it away, and then if you hear about it, like, like I don't mean file it in a file cabinet, but hey, I saw this flyer, and then someone down the road says, hey, right. yeah, I had that guy. And you're like, oh, yeah, I have that guy's information. I, you know, I saw it. You know, okay, you'll do yeah. that. So, I mean, when we talk about like door hangers and stuff, you're really just planting the seed, but it's really about the relationships that you start. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's the trust factor. Yeah. People buy from people that they know and that they like and that they trust. And if you are a very relational person, mm-hmm. building no like, and trust is very easy. If you're a transactional person, like you're paying people off, you're buying... You're buying knowledge, you're buying likes, and you're buying trust, and it doesn't it doesn't go very far. Yeah, and you know it's it's weird. I never really um, understood, or I shouldn't say understood. I never really realized anything about you know building relationships and keeping customers and doing all, until I went to Warrensburg. So Warrensburg, like in the outskirts of Warrensburg, other than where the college is, it's a small town. Yeah, and so like that's how it was down there, though. Right. You knew the customers that retained you to work on their stuff knew your name. They knew the owner's name. Right. They knew your kids' names. And then when you saw them out at Feldman's or the grocery store, you knew them. You said hi to them. 
when you went out to lunch with all the guys and rolled into a restaurant, you knew half the people in there and you had relationships with all of those people. And right. it was it was obviously clear how much that perpetuated the amount of sales or growth or jobs that you got more than anything else. Right. I mean, it was blatantly obvious. So when people ask me sometimes, like we're not in a big town here, but you go to KC and it's a million, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's a big city. It's just not the same. But if you can kind of grasp that small town mentality of everyone knows everyone and everyone's friends and you're part of a community and you're in one of those bigger cities, you will develop a niche very quickly. Yeah. Because people, you know, I think big cities kind of get a bad rap sometimes, but people really do like having relationships with people that work on their homes. Right. And, and, are in their bathrooms, like their most personal spaces. Yeah. You know, they are, if you can build a relationship with them, you can have a customer for life. Now in plumbing, you may not be going out there every year or every two years, but if you have a relationship with them and they've hung on to you and it's a good relationship, they will call you two years later. Well, and and regardless (laughs) of calling you two years later, if you have a great relationship with them and then one of their friends needs a plumber, you're the person they're recommending. Yeah. Right? And right. if you have a great relationship with them, you you create a bragworthy experience. It's not like, oh, I had to have the plumber out today and that's never fun. It's a, an experience of like, yeah, so I had a pipe break and I had to have a plumber out and it was actually surprisingly awesome. Like they were personable, they pet my dog, they didn't like rake me over the coals. They Yeah. you know, they were funny, they were clean. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, that's a relationship. Even yeah. though you're not friends, that w- that is a relationship. It's a good working relationship. Right. And if if you can find a spot to do that, you will all... No matter what you do, you will be successful. Like a small auto body shop that is really great with their customers and doesn't screw somebody, you see them still th- to this day that have been in business for 60 years. Yeah. You know, the Grain Valley Muffler, Yep. I mean, they're nice. You go in there, they're efficient, they yep. do a good job, and everyone knows who they are. Why? Because the original people that started that had great relationships and it stood the test of time. Yep. I mean, it, it translates to every working aspect that there is. Anything yep. that's service-related, it translates to. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the way you want to be. So if you have any other questions about transactional versus relational... Uh, give us a buzz, uh, send us an email or whatever you want to do. But ultimately, you want to be focusing more on relational sales and less on transactional. The only time I will ever go transactional is if I have found myself in a scenario where I don't want this customer back. And we've all been there. We've all been in scenarios where it's like, I this this is not the best customer for me. Right. Yeah. So I will focus a little bit less on the relationship and a little bit more on the transaction there. And it's not like I'm trying to shun them away or anything else. It's just I'm not doing all the extra things to where I I hope they call me again, because there are some customers. Let's be honest. There are some customers where you don't want them to call you again. Yeah, because they're they're, a problem. They're jerks. Yeah. Or they want to whine about the price. I always called it just I was pricing myself out. 
Yeah. Like they'd call and I'd go out there and I didn't like them. I'd charge them an extra 50 bucks. Yeah. Well, and then the all... next time I'd charge them 250 extra. And then the next time, and then finally they quit freaking calling me. We've all had that <laughs> overwhelming feeling when you give them your fuck you price and they take it. And you're Christian. Like, <laughs> well, now it's like it's kind of worth it. Like I, I heard a guy give advice where he's like, if there's a customer that gives you red flags and you don't want to work with, be like, yeah. That commercial where it shoots me ten thousand dollars. He's like, well, if they take it, you know, you're making a lot of money. Yeah, but, uh, but even then, it's still like, <laughs> dude, uh, I dude. gotta be around that person. <laughs> the group Zoom call, the first Trade Winds group Zoom call. Literally, I don't remember if it was you or Zach that asked this kid. His name's Christian, young guy, good guy. They're like, hey, did you get that job? I don't remember if it was you or Zach, but and he was like, oh, dude. I got that job. And yeah. he was like, even after <laughs> and the... he gave him the fuck you yeah, prize. Yeah, he, he's like, even after the fuck you prize, he's like, yeah. yeah. And he's... We all know that feeling. He still didn't want to do it. Yeah. Like, he, uh, like you could tell he was like, yeah. I, I still don't want to do it. Like, and I think everyone's... I mean, I may have said it like, dude, your, your fuck you prize at, wasn't high enough. At like, that, at that price, <laughs> you could pay somebody out. Like, you could subcontract out the job yeah. and still not have to yeah. deal with it. He was <laughs> like, I was, uh, yeah, I, you could see it in his face. Yeah, I got it. Right. <laughs> well, Mix looked out for me. We were at a customer's house. So a oh, guy was mad. like, did your guy, do you let him do side work? And then Mitch looked out for me. He's like, hey, like, up your price if you're going to. Yeah. Do you work for him? Yeah, if you're going to do it, be high. Yep. That right. always happen, but every once in a while. Yeah. What else you got, dog? Topic three is knowing your numbers. So We're talking about money here, people. We're not just talking about money. money. We're talking about everything. So I'm kind of a numbers geek. Um, geek, yes. I track numbers on a lot of stuff, and there's, there's, no, there's no shortage of place where you can be tracking numbers. The problem is you need to start somewhere. Um, where, where I see a lot of people going wrong with not knowing their numbers, the classic person that's going to be that way is going to be... Um, they're going to be the person that maybe isn't the best at business, like maybe shouldn't have gone into business for themselves. Maybe they're great at their craft. Maybe you're an amazing tile guy. And you thought I wanted to start my own tile company, but your your passion isn't really in owning a company. Your passion is tile. Yeah, and you like the artwork of it. You like knocking out the jobs. You like at the end going, "Look how badass this is." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so those are the guys that are going to operate with their heart instead of with their numbers, and they're going to get in a little bit of trouble from time to time. And so um, what you what you need to focus on is knowing your numbers. You need to understand what does it cost for you to be in business each month? And how much money do you have to make to, to turn a profit each month? And then if you want to grow, how much extra money do you have to make in order to grow? And, you know, all of these things. And it starts out, you, you can think of it kind of big stuff, right? It's pretty easy to look at your cost each month. You can just go into your accounting software, and it'll tell you how much money you spent this month. Yeah, it'll tell you cost of sales this month was X. Yeah. Insurance insurance costs you this. You can just look at the total. Gas was this. Yeah. Like, you can just look at the total and say, okay, it cost us $85,000 to be in business this month, yeah. right? So, I mean- That's your minimum right out of the gate. If your sales weren't $85,000 this month, you lost money. <laughs> yeah, that's right? the worst. So- <laughs> Been um, there. I mean, those are the basics of, of knowing your numbers, but 
like there's no end to how far you can take it. Um, you know, you can, you can then start splitting it down. Like, okay, where are my costs at? Are there any giant, cause you focus on the big ones first. So is there, are there any giant costs that I can improve? Um, you can never really ax them off, but maybe there's something you can improve. Maybe there's something that you can get for a cheaper price somewhere else or something like that. Um, but then also the offset of cost is sales. So is there anywhere where I can get more sales with ease? Like what's the easiest place I can add sales and then focusing on that. Um, once you're past all of that preliminary stuff, well then there's, there's a whole lot of other stuff you can track when you go, like you can track the number of leads that you have coming in. How many opportunities do you have each day or week or month to make a sale? And then of those opportunities, how many do you actually make a sale on? That's called your conversion rate. Okay. If you have 10 opportunities and you make a sale on seven of them, that's a 70% conversion. Um, that's actually pretty good in, in the service plumbing I'll world. say that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have 10 opportunities and you make a sale on three of them, there's a problem, right? That's a 30% conversion. That's, that's not good. That's not good. So, um, you in, in like on conversion, you don't want to sell every opportunity. If you're selling every opportunity, that means your price is too cheap, right? If nobody turned you down, that means your price is too cheap. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, you're doing work for, and you're not making enough money. Yeah. It's pretty basic. So, I mean, you can take numbers like all the way down to, you know, how many tasks did you sell on a call? Um, you know, what was your total revenue per, per day, per week, per, per month? Um, uh, how, many, uh, how many warranty calls did you run? Um, if you have hours associated to each, tasks, each task, then what is your average task hour? Uh, how many average task hours did you do in a day? Like, there's a whole lot of numbers you can do. Ultimately, the more numbers you are tracking, then the easier it is to identify the source of a problem. So for instance, if my sales are low, I can scan through my guys and find out, is it a guy or is it a, like, is it a whole team problem or is it an individual? And then once I know that answer, this is kind of going back to that like flowchart thing. Then I can I can go okay it's an individual it's not a whole team these three are doing great this one's not doing good okay now let's dive into that individual's numbers did he have enough opportunities okay he had just as many opportunities as everybody else oh he even sold as many like his conversion was the same okay so now his average sale it must be low if his sales are low and he's converting the same with the same number of opportunities his average sale must be low so then. We, we look at it and we can say, okay, why, why would his average sale be low? And we can dive down even further and pick that number up. We can get that number back to where it needs to be. Yeah, and it could be an abnormality too. It could be he just had a bunch of calls that week that he sold the first option and didn't sell a lot of seconds or didn't sell any thirds. And yeah. hey, no big deal. Move on to the next thing. It wasn't even a problem, but we were able to see it and see what was going on. Right. You know, where... It, it, the, the position you don't want to be in, you don't want to be in a position where you've got financial problems in your business and you have absolutely no clue why. Yeah. And a lot of times we know, we just don't have the numbers to back it up. Or you know, but you can't, you can't 
pardon the phrase, put your thumb on it. Yeah. Like exactly what it is. Like I know my material price is high, but I don't know why. Yeah. Is a guy stealing material? Well, if you don't know your numbers and you don't have a breakdown of where everything's going, it's hard for you to find out. You may have to spend a day going through invoices and going through sales receipts right. and going through credit card information to try to find out where that stuff is at. You know, we talk about it on the show a lot um, about being prepared and being a stickler about where everything goes so that you know, hey, all I have to do is pull up this one spreadsheet yeah. and I can see... I can, I can have a breakdown of that job, or I can have a breakdown of this week, or I can have a breakdown of last month, Right, and you can easily find those numbers. The problem is it does take a lot of time and a lot of energy to implement those systems, yep. but we say it all the time, you have to do that if you really want to be successful, because if those systems aren't in place then you can't go back and check yourself. Right. And you have to check your... Mitch checks himself personally. I know. Yeah. You have to You have to check everyone that works for you. You have to check yourself. I know Mitch is checking his, um, his marketing and his advertising. And if something's screwed up there, that's not on his guys. That's on him. Yeah. But he's still doing that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I go so far as it to where I can, I can track... Uh, percentage of calls to each call source, right? Did they find us by Google? Did they find us by Facebook ads? Did they find us by a Facebook referral? Did they find us by next door? Like I track all that stuff, right? And so I can say, okay, for Q1, you know, 37% of our customers found us on word of mouth. And, you know, like those aren't, it's not a real number. I'm just kind of spitballing, but like I can tell you exactly what percentage of customers found us where. I can also tell you what percentage of revenue was attributed attributed to each call source. And then from that, I can make marketing decisions. I can say, okay, this call source is pretty hot. Let's dial that up. This call source is flatlined. Let's not put any more money into or any more effort. And sometimes it's not even money. Like word of mouth, you don't put any money in word of mouth. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's no more effort into certain things, right? So um uh, it, it just kind of changes. One of the things that I can tell you is if you're struggling to make a profit in your business, you need to look at increasing your price and not a little bit. Like you need to look at doubling your price. And when I say that, people get scared. And people say, if I double my price, half my customers are going to leave. Well, if they think if, about it, if half your if you double your price and half your customers leave, you've done half the work but made the same amount of money. Exactly. So and, so instead of even if your profit margin was 5%, you've literally still made the same and worked half as much. And you freed up half your time to focus on your business or or getting new you, customers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, do not ever be afraid to increase your price, especially if your business is not profiting. Because that's the whole reason you're in business is to make a profit. And um, nothing, I, I don't want to say pains me. It, it's not that it's not a pain, but I, I have a soft spot in my heart for people that have taken all the risk and put all their personal stuff on the line to start a business. And they end up making the same or less as they did when they were working for somebody else. But they have all of that additional responsibility. Right. So um, it's, it's perfectly OK to make a profit. And I'm not saying that doubling your price is what you need to do. It starts by understanding your numbers a little bit first. And once you have your numbers a little bit figured out, 
then more often than not, a price increase is necessary. Well, and you may need to... Look, I used to do this all the time. You may need to just call around to other shops and shop their price. Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, guys. I, I don't do that. Like, Go I, ahead, go ahead. Can I finish? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> no. And I don't mean necessarily call them and say, hey, I have this problem. I know this is what I need. Can I have a price? You can do that. I did that when I started out because I didn't know what to charge. I had no clue. So I did that. But you know what you can do is you can get in groups of business owners or you can go to the supply house and ask guys. You'd be surprised at how honest people are with what they're getting from other, from their customers. Yeah. Some guys are real tight-lipped. Some people will lie to you. But you'd be amazed at how many people are honest. And they're like, oh, no, we do flat rate and we're at $300 an hour. And then, you know, obviously we have our markup and our and our parts and that's where we're at. Right. I mean, people will just freely give that information out. It's yeah. not, it's not a giant trade secret, you well, know. So back in the day, that was the way to do that. Now you can just jump on an internet group and get a really good rough idea. I mean, it's still well, national, it's a, right? It, it's hard to get your area dialed down because so much of them are different. Like just from Warrensburg to here yeah. is different, and then from I should say Warrensburg to Odessa, and then from Odessa to Kansas City. That doesn't tell anyone anything, what I'm talking about. Right. But it's like, so from us to Warrensburg's an hour. Yeah. So you drive a half hour, price is different. You drive another half hour, price is even more different. So my take on that is your price needs to be set based off of the value you are delivering in comparison to the others in the market. So what I mean by that is... There are companies in town where the average level of experience between their technicians is like two years, okay? <clears throat> At our company, the average level of experience between technicians is 20 years. From that fact alone, we could be charging significantly more than these other companies because the customer is bound to get a better repair, a higher quality repair, a better interaction, and, and more peace of mind, right? Do you want a two-year guy working on it or do you want a 20-year guy working on it? So a lot of your pricing comes down to the quality and the value that you're providing. If you're a new guy in town and you, you're also a new guy in the industry, you're going to struggle a little bit to charge top-line pricing just because you don't have the experience needed to pull that off. And I'm not saying you can't do it, and I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just being honest that that's going to be a struggle that you have. It could be a struggle you have. Yeah. So um, I've got a friend of mine uh, right now that I'm talking with that he's he's a little inexperienced, and he's trying to command a higher price, and he's struggling to get it, and a lot of it's because of the inexperience. And so um, we... We have to set our price. There's, there's two things that you need to set your price on. You need to set your price based off of your expenses as a business, but you also need to set your price based on the value you're delivering to a customer. So if, if there are guys in your, if there are big companies in your town where the average level of experience is two years and you're a 20 year guy going out on your own, there is no reason at all why you can't charge exactly what the big companies are charging. There's yeah. none at all. The customer is getting a better product and they're having a better experience with you than they would be that big company. 
And charging that big company price allows you to grow and get stable a whole lot faster. Um, however, if you're a two or a three year guy and you got pissed off at your boss one day and you're like, I'm going to go start my own company. Fuck you. You're going to struggle really hard to, to grab that price. It's going to be really, really difficult. You don't have the experience you need and you don't have the business experience you need to pull that off. So understanding your numbers, knowing your numbers, knowing, knowing what it takes to keep the doors open each month, like what's your break even point. That's where you start. And then from there, you can start diving in a lot farther. So if you have any questions on a lot of that stuff, you can email us. Again, that email is askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. Um, you can email us and we can, we can try to dive into some of that. Um, this is a lot of the stuff that we go over in trade wins, uh, with the guys, as we start diving into their numbers and everything else and start learning what makes their business tick and where their costs are and what it's going to take to get them a more profitable. So, um, uh, ultimately guys know your numbers because without knowing your numbers, you're not really going to know where to go. So, um, if you guys have any other stories from the field, feel free to send those to us. You can send them to us either Facebook or email. And uh, I think that's probably about it for this week's that's show. That's it, man. So until next time, Wrap guys, we will see you later. See ya.